0: to preface everything that I say this month about freedom right here. Jesus was talking and he, 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 uh, he said to the Jews, this is John chapter 8 verse 31, and Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now that's a powerful statement all by itself, but what happens after that is funny. Because they answered him, these were uh, not necessarily the Jews who had believed him, but, but more Pharisees and Sadducees, things like that. They answered him and they said, we are the offspring of Abraham, and watch this, and have never been enslaved to anyone, so how is it that you say you will become free? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. There were those that said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. I have to think that that Jesus was, you know, he, he, was, he was sitting there talking to them and he had a cup of coffee in his hand, and about the time they said that, he just spit it out and just started laughing at them. Really? You've never been in bondage to anyone? I guess the 400 years of Egyptian captivity doesn't count, right? The 70 something years of bondage to Assyria and Babylon and and Persia, I guess that doesn't count. Or the Philistines or the Midianites. I mean, just read through the book of Judges. And then, just in case they didn't know what they were talking about, he makes the statement. He says, I will tell you this anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And as long as you, uh, and the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. And if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I am firmly convinced that living for God ought to be the most liberating experience that you and your life could ever have. Freedom from sin. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. Uh, If you you turn with me very quickly to Matthew chapter 8, and then we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter uh, 14. But Matthew chapter 8, this is my text today. It says, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. And when he had entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came unto him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he answered and said unto them, Why are you fearful, ye of little faith? Why are you afraid? And then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And then Matthew chapter 14, a kind of a similar story. Jesus constrained his disciples, verse 22 of Matthew 14. He constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, Jesus was there alone. But the ship with the disciples now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea they were troubled and they said it's a spirit and they cried out for fear that's a key word again straightway Jesus spake unto them saying be of good cheer it is I be not afraid and Peter answered him and said Lord if it be thou bid me to come unto thee on the water and Jesus said come and Peter came out of the ship walked on the water to go to Jesus And when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst you doubt? And when they came to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. A few things I want you to catch. Whether Jesus is in the middle of the storm with you, or whether Jesus comes to the storm that you're in, Both times he says, don't be afraid, everything's going to be okay. I want to preach you from freedom, from fear. Why don't you close your Bibles and close your eyes and would you ask the Lord to speak to you where you are. Father, we thank you today and Lord, I pray right now that you would guide my my mind and guide the words that I say as I give the message that you've given to me and I pray that we could see that Lord, you're not only the God that can deliver us from sin, but there's so much more. You can even deliver us from our fear and from the things that that scare us and frighten us. And I pray that you would give us peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many of you, you can be seated. How many of you know uh, the the cartoon Peanuts? Charles Schultz is an incredible uh, writer. I saw a strip where Charlie Brown, you know, Lucy would set up that that. Look like a lemonade stand, but she'd call it psychiatric help, you know, five cents. And she would answer all your questions. And uh, Charlie Brown went to Lucy and gave her the nickel to get some help. And she begins to pinpoint his fear. She says, I think you have hyphen, uh, uh, hyphen, gophobia, which is the fear of responsibility. And Charlie Brown said, Nope, don't have that. Well, maybe you have uh, allurophobia, which is the fear of cats. No. Maybe you have climacophobia, which is the fear of suitcases. I mean I mean staircases, rather. Staircases. And finally, uh, yeah, you know, Charlie Brown says, no, that's not it. And Lucy in the, in the strip, she's exasperated. And she says, well, I think you have pantophobia, which is the fear of everything. And Charlie says, that's the one that I have. You can go online. You can go to phobialist.com. It lists 300 researched and studied phobias. Now, I I will tell you right now, I don't, I'm not, and, and I don't necessarily say this bragging, but... I don't have a lot of fear of everything. I, I've watched people. You know, some, some of y'all are so scared of spiders, you'd crawl out of your 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 your, your, your uh, uh, clothes if it came on. Some of you are scared of snakes, and you you'd walk on water if a snake came to you. I don't have a whole lot of these fears, but my goodness, there's a lot of them. There's a bluetophobia the fear of bathing. There's uh, the fear of darkness. There's acoustophobia, the fear of noise, and acrophobia, the fear of heights. And uh, uh, there is bacteria phobia, the fear of Bacteria. There's ballistophobia, which is the fear of missiles and bullets. There's barophobia, the fear of gravity. There's, uh, no, maybe I have this one, you know, there's, uh, cockophobia, which is the fear of ugliness. And, uh, there's, there's, uh, another one called pellidophobia, which is the fear of bald people. That's why I'm afraid of some of you guys that are bald. And then, uh, the, 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 there, there's so many more, but then there's one that's called the homilyophobia, which is the fear of sermons. And I think some of you might have that one. Five-year-old Johnny, he was in the kitchen with his mom, and, and his mom was making supper, and she asked Johnny to go into the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup. He didn't want to go in. He said, Mom, it's dark in there. I'm I'm scared. And she said, Just just go in there, open the door, get you a can of tomato soup. And he said, I, I, I'm scared. And he said, Don't worry, Jesus will be with you. And so little Johnny went and opened the door. He cracked it open and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, could you hand me a can of tomato soup? It really is amazing the fear that exists in humanity. In the very beginning, we see a glimpse of fear when Adam and Eve had sinned and God began to look for them. You see that fear of guilt and shame and condemnation They begin to hide and Adam's response was When we heard your voice we hid because we were afraid Uh, The the, the reason Elijah taunted the prophets of Baal Is because uh, if you begin to look at it You'll find that one of the greatest fears of some of the ancient cultures Was that their God might fall asleep when they needed him most We live in a constant state of fear so many of us turn on the news, there's unrest, there's unease in our lives, uh, the, the economy fluctuates, the jobs fluctuate, the, the, the health scares, the, the society scares, whatever it might be but i am amazed and i think it's important for us to look i'm going to go through these verses very quickly and if you don't catch them you can ask me later i'll get them to you but 2 timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says that god has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind i want you if you if you don't hear anything else about this sermon tonight understand this fear is not of god We'll say it again. Fear is not of God. The Bible says that God does not exist to scare you. Instead, God wants to give you power, a mind, and a spirit of love, and a sound mind. God is able to touch the things that exist in our mind that, that confuse us and torment us. Lamentations chapter 3 when, when Jeremiah said, my enemies chased me sore like a bird without a cause. They cut off my life. They threw me in the dungeon. They cast a stone on me. Water flowed over my head and I said, I am cut off. And I called upon thy name, O Lord, out of the low dungeon. And you heard my voice and you hid not thine ear at my breathing or my cry. And you drew near in the day that I called thee. And you said, fear not. When you begin to flip through the pages of your Bible you will find that the Lord was good at telling people don't fear. And so the first question that must be asked is why are you afraid? What is it that scares you? When the disciples got in that boat Jesus was with them going back to our our text Matthew chapter 8 they got into that boat and they began to travel and they were... uh, experienced sailors they knew what they were doing but there arose a storm a tempest insomuch that the ship was covered by the waves and Jesus is sleeping now I'm going to tell you about that here in just a moment why Jesus can sleep but he's just kind of hanging out and he's uh, taking a nap boat's going up and down the waves are crashing they're bailing out the boat and they come and they wake him up and they say Lord we're going to perish and Jesus gets up and says, why are you afraid? I'm with you. Do you, do you think that, that, that you know, I'm going to die and the world will be without a savior? You think that, that the waves are going to, you know, sink the boat? You have little faith. Now I know for some this might be a new revelation, but for most of us we would readily agree that life is stormy. That in fact, some of you would say it's not just stormy, but it's one storm after another. About the time that the storm passes, here comes another one in. And it's interesting that the Lord, when He talks about the storm, He uses the Greek word seismos. It's the same word that we would get earthquake or, or, or a trembling. And it was a, an eruption of sea end of sky. It's the same word that was used when it says that Jesus died at Calvary and the earth began to shake and began to move. The storm came suddenly. It it was not something that they were really expecting. They didn't have the alerts on their cell phone that told them to take cover. There were no tornado sirens that sounded there on the Sea of Galilee. None of that happened. It's just they were rowing and then all of a sudden boom! The storm came. Life has a way of doing that. You go to work one morning and the storm erupts. The pink slips waiting. You've had the job for 20 years, but the storm arose. You went to bed feeling healthy, but now the doctor says you're sick. Storms arise quickly. It seems that everything is going okay. Life is good. And then, boom, you're hit with a massive tempest that goes. But Jesus... Remains Unstirred In the storm You know Just because you live for God Doesn't mean that your calendar Is full of Caribbean cruises I wish that was the case I'd like to stand up Behind here and tell you that man Life is all peaches and ice cream And it's good But it's not Sometimes someone sideswipes your van And doesn't leave a note Sometimes you run over the nail that the truck in front of you left. And, and you know, just just let me help you out. I, I have preached and I have told you that, that living for God is way better than not living for God. But are you ready for this? Even sometimes living for God means you get soaked. Jesus is laying there in that boat, and and I promise you, the same storm that was scaring the disciples, Jesus was experiencing at the same time. And so, John chapter 16 and verse 33, most people translate it and and they do it falsely. They would say, in this world you might, in this world you may, in this world possibly you could have tribulation. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in this world you will have tribulation. And and I would tell you that as Jesus, they they, they shook Jesus awake and he got up and he looked at them. And I kind of think he was really surprised. Why in the world are you afraid? It's because... The, the, uh, one of the, the greatest verses that has ever spoken to me in the midst of a trial and a, and a storm That I have gone through, my family have gone through I heard it as clearly as I've ever heard anything from the Lord When he told me, he looked at me and he said Brandon, my peace I give to you He did not say I'm going to calm you He did not say I'm going to you know, help you find peace He said I'm going to give you peace my peace. The reason the Lord could sleep in the storm is because He's the one in whom the storm has to obey. He was sleeping because He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the storm's not going to sink the boat. And if you had that understanding, I could go through it. When I'm in the middle of my storm, it'd be nice if the Lord would say, the storm is going to last 35 minutes and everything's going to happen, but don't worry, everything's going to be okay. But I don't get that all the time. But the Lord says, my peace I give to you. uh, I'm I'm glad that the Lord calmed the storm for the disciples when He was in the boat first and then later calmed the storm that He was not in the boat. And the Lord knows how to do that. The Lord knows how to be with you in the middle of something and then later, hopefully, you would have some faith to say, He's not going to leave me hanging. But again, the disciples, they didn't do that. They're in the, the storm again and Jesus isn't in the boat, but Jesus came walking on top of their storm Right to where they were. But he said, Oh, you, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Now, there is such a thing as healthy fear. Uh, You know, I I don't, I I do have a fear uh, of, of, you know, getting hit by a car. So I I usually don't go play Frogger in the middle of Highway 70. I have a healthy fear. Now there are people that do it and they they kind of they like that. I don't I don't push too many boundaries. I don't uh, you know go go climb a mountain. I uh trying to remember what the name of the mountain is in, in uh, one of the one of the no one of the parks. Uh, not not Yellowstone, but the other one. There's a mountain that, that a lot of people climb. It's a sheer rock face, and it's I mean it's hundreds and hundreds of feet tall and there are several people that have climbed it without any ropes, without anybody helping them, I'm not going to do that. But there is a healthy fear, in fact, there was a a, a museum that was having no success keeping people from touching the, the priceless furniture and art, they put do not touch signs everywhere. Finally, one museum employee replaced all those signs with this, it said caution, wash hands after touching, and nobody touched it anymore. I was talking to somebody, I don't remember who, I was talking to somebody. Uh, I do a lot of fishing and I was fishing in Louisiana and if you go down uh, near the salt water, there's a lot of alligators that are there and and uh, I don't fear alligators per se, but I am respectful of them and I've fished in places where as I'm fishing, I see the alligators getting closer and closer and there's a limit to where I, I say, okay, this is your water, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to go fishing in you know, grass near the water's edge that's five feet tall where I can't see, I understand that. Uh, I have a healthy fear of lions. I'm not gonna go jump in their cage at the zoo. Uh, if I go ever get the chance, Brother Richardson, to go on a safari, I don't know that I'm gonna jump out of the car and you know go up to it and try to take a selfie with the lion. And so uh, you know I I do think that that there is a healthy fear. But here's where unhealthy fear is. I know that alligators and lions have the potential to hurt me, so I'm not gonna you know go pet them. But if you lay in bed at night afraid that an alligator or a lion is going to climb into your two-story bedroom and eat you, that's an unhealthy fear. And you laugh, but a lot of us exist in that same realm. You exist fearing the things, and God said He has not given you a spirit of fear. Max Licato, the great writer, said it this way, fear will always be knocking on your door, just don't invite it in for dinner, and for heaven's sakes, don't offer it a bed for the night. The second thing you need to understand is not only does Jesus remain unstirred in the midst of your storm, but you also need to know that he's able to calm storm. When Jesus got up Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26 he got up and he commanded the wind and the waves and, and, and one version of the Bible says and it became completely calm. Jesus didn't just kind of slow it down it was as if it was glass and they responded what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey it. Those disciples Experienced sailors were scared out of their minds. This was not a small storm. This was not an ordinary storm. It would have only taken something un- uh, you know, that, that wasn't normal, a monster storm that would leave them shaken in their, stand, in, their, in their sandals. But here's the point. Not only did Jesus calm the storm, but he calmed their fear. Somebody said it this: Sometimes God calms the storm, and other times He calms the child. When you begin to read the Bible, let me—I want to go through these very, very quickly. I, I want you to see all the things that God can handle for you. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 24, He said to Abraham, "I'm the God," or, or He said to Isaac, "I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee." Somebody today needs to just hear that for yourself. Put your name in there. And Jesus looks you in the eye and he says, Fear not, for I am with thee. It's 1 Kings chapter 17 where, where Elijah said, Fear not, go and do what thou hast said. Make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make it for yourself and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, that the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail until the day that the Lord's sins reign upon the earth. You need to understand this, Fear not, for God shall supply all your needs. It's, it's 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15 where he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Fear not, God will protect you. Or Isaiah chapter 41 When he says unto them, fear not, for I am with thee. Don't be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not, for God is your strength. Or Isaiah chapter 43, when he said, O Jacob and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee and I have called thee by thy name and thou art mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with thee. And when you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the God, the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. Don't fear, He's with you in your trials. Jesus said, That are not two sparrows sold for a farthing. And is one of them if they should fall to the ground without your father knowing them. But the very hairs on your head are numbers. So fear ye not therefore. For you are of greater value than the sparrows. Fear not. He cares for you. Or in Revelation chapter 1, when John said, I fell to his feet as if I was dead. And he laid his right hand upon me. And he said, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I want you to know you don't have to be afraid. Fear not for your future. We, we like to to, to to praise him for freeing us and having the freedom from our sin. I'm here to tell you today that in this July 2018, He wants to free you from your fears. Would you turn with me to the Psalms chapter 91? I want you to read it, not necessarily out loud, but I want you to read it along with me and follow along. I want you to understand what God has for you. He says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, that He alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I will trust Him. And He'll rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He'll cover you with His feathers and shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks you in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand might fall at your side, uh, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open up your eyes and see how the wicked are punished if you'll make the Lord your refuge, if you'll make the Most High your shelter. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. He'll order his angels to protect you where you go. They'll hold you up with their hands. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. And when they call on me, I will answer, I will be with them in trouble, I will rescue and honor them, I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Fear not. It's David's shepherd psalm, Psalms 23:4, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me." Psalms 27 reads this way. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, came up upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. If a host encampeth about against me, my heart shall not fear. If war rises against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He'll hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle, He shall hide me. He sets me on a rock. Now mine eyes shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. And therefore I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. And I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Fear not. If you keep going down to verse 14, he gives this instruction. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Dr. Stanley Jones wrote this paragraph that I have used for years. He said, I am inwardly fashioned for faith and not for fear. Fear is not my native land. Faith is. I'm so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of my life. And faith is the oil. I live better by faith. And confidence than by fear and doubt and anxiety. And anxiety and worry, my being is grasp gasping for breath. They're not my native air. But faith and confidence I breathe freely, for these are my native air. He said, a John Hopkins University doctor said, We do not know why worriers die sooner than non-worriers, but it's a fate, uh, it's a fact. But I who am simple of mind think I know. That we are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue and brain cell and soul for faith and not for fear. God made us that way. So to live by worry is to live against the reality of what God wants to do in your life. The word of God says be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. You don't have to live in fear. It's Moses that stood on the bank of that Red Sea and the Lord looked at him and said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So I bring us back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. That God has not given us the spirit of fear. But I think what we need to understand is what He does want to give us is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and the Lord wants to give you a sound And so I say, as Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world and its anxiety and its fear and all of its chaos, don't be conformed to that world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. John said, 1 John chapter 4, that we have known and believed the love that God hath to us, that God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him, and hereby is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world, for there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear, for fear hath torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love, and we love him because he first loved us would you stand the word of the Lord speaks to us today and that word of the Lord that changes not if salvation doesn't change God doesn't change the rules on salvation and what's required God doesn't change His doctrine God doesn't change what He says and so I'm going to tell you today That if Acts 2.38 still applies today, then these verses apply today as well. That in a day in which the uncertainties of life and the fear that can cascade over us is so ever-present, the Lord looks at you on this day, July 1st, 2018. And through the word of God, he says, I know the storm you're in. I know the waves that are rocking your boat. I know the darkness that has flooded in and it seems as if you can't get your footing and your boat is being thrown from one side to the other and all you can think of is how far to the bottom of that sea this boat's going to end up. But I'm telling you, whether he's with you right now or whether you look up on the horizon and see him walking to you, the, 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 the outcome is the same if you'll let him. You've got to be willing to let him calm you, and calm the storm. If you're here today and maybe Jesus isn't in your boat, maybe you can't walk up there and shake him away. I'll tell you, he's really never left you. You know, Jesus, I don't know how far into that sea the disciples got in that boat, but I kind of think Jesus shadowed them a little. Just kind of let them go, let the boat be tossed and turned, but Jesus was walking there. and The Bible said Jesus would have passed them by, but they called out. I sure would hate for the one that could calm your storm to pass you by today. I think the best thing you could do is lift a hand and begin to call out to him right now and say, God, you know the fear. You know the doubt. You know the trepidation. You know the abject just just the, the darkness that I'm in. And I pray right now that you would not pass me by. But Lord, you said that you were here and I'm ready for you to look at this child of God and say, peace, be still. This July month, you're here to give us freedom from the fear. You're here to give us a sound mind. You're here to give us a comfort. You're here to walk us through it. I ask that you would touch us in Jesus' name. I believe you... Each one of us today needs to take a moment For you're dismissed. And I'd invite you to take a step out of your altar. I'd invite you to come down to here and I'd invite you just to begin to talk to him. Why don't you identify the storm of life that you're in? Why don't you identify to him? No one else has to hear what you say, but you can say, Lord, this is what I need you to touch my life. Would you let him help you? Would you let him guide you in the name of Jesus?